0: Well, good morning. I have come up here with my sexy voice this morning. I promise. I promise. I've taken like 17 tests. I took one this morning. It is my seasonal hay fever. Does anyone get that? Please tell me. Okay. So we can have like a sexy voice choir here. Okay. We just have to coordinate all at the same time. Um, yes. It's. It's. You know. It's funny. I got like. I was like this right at the beginning of COVID too. So I stood up here, and I said something, and I don't know what, and then, like, everyone was, like, slowly backing away from me. I was like, you know, but at that time, we didn't have, you know, an abundance of tests available to us or anything like that. So we have made progress. 2020, here we are, yeah? All right. So uh, did I say I took one this morning just to make sure? Did I say that? Okay. So you're good. You're good. I'm good. Um, but it does kick my butt a little bit because I like to talk, right? And so, uh, yesterday my daughters were like, mom, are you feeling okay, And I was like, yeah, why is she not talking so much? Okay. (laughs) Yes, it's because it's hard. Anyway, well, welcome. My name is Melody and I am one of the pastors here. And, um, today we will be hearing from our own Josh Koya. and, oh, I sound like a teenage boy now. It's going up like this and down um uh we are so happy that you're here today uh if you're visiting us for the first time the second time the third time and uh you haven't given us your information yet we would love for you to fill out a connect card and drop that in the either the offering box or come meet us afterwards josh and i will be standing at the easy up waiting for you and if it is your 15th year here your second year, come say hi to us anyway okay we would love to say hello. Uh, just a few things that I want to mention today. We have um, just—it's the end of summer, right? I think Sandivas starts tomorrow. Yes, Sandivas kids. Yeah, you're starting tomorrow. We have we have prayed and prayed and prayed over all the children, over the teachers. Uh, so our prayers are out there with you. Um, also, we have prayed for stuff like traffic. You know. Um, I'm so happy my kids go to school right on Grand Avenue and Bennett and it is such a traffic well right now it's ha- it's half shut down because of the train but that that corner just always gives me a heart attack because it like here's the street and here's the car so uh, I've been praying for things like traffic would you make please parents aware would you make students aware would you so we have covered you in prayer. So, San Dimas kids have a great day at school tomorrow. San Dimas teachers have a great day, and hopefully, we'll all just start the day, the year off with a big bang. Yes. Um, so, I want to tell you a couple things. Legos and egos. There is one more left. One more Legos and egos left. It is this Saturday at eight fifteen in the morning. So, if you have never come, come. If you've come all the time, come. Uh, just join us. It's a really great time where the kids are able to build. There's a challenge involved. Um, Marissa really puts her heart and soul into this program. And so uh, just come, join, and have, a, have an Ego build with Legos. Yes? Um, also, small groups. There are only two more small groups this week and next week. Also, if you haven't come, come if you have uh come the whole time come again so lots of invitations for you to come um I think that you know uh something that we we for sure just always say we reflect back on is our mission statement right which is to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus love people and do good and these things that we do are just um wow I sound really bad (laughs) Sorry, guys. I promise. Um, This mission statement that we have here is just something we truly, truly, truly believe in and truly want to follow. And, you know, when we get approached by different people who maybe want to offer different programs or whatnot, we take this mission statement very, very seriously. And we take our involvement in our community very, very, very seriously. And so these are just... These are just invitations for you to come, show up, bring a neighbor, bring a friend, bring whatever, just come yourself, and as long as we're together, we are building community in our relationship with each other. Yes? Amen. Amen. So the last thing I want to remind you of is that this Thursday, this Thursday, we begin our Thursday Connect with our students from Sandy Miss High again, and that is when um, we offer coffee, um, iced coffee. What are we offering this week, Marissa? Marissa's in the service. Yay! Yay yeah. What are we offering this week? Iced coffee and chips. Excellent. So uh, we have been asking for donations uh, individually wrapped snacks that we can hand out to the kids. They love chips. And they, I think they like their creamer more than they like their coffee. So if you would like to donate any form of creamer, too, we will take that. But um, the office is open this week, and you can drop those donations off. And they, we've just, we're so thankful for all the donations we've already received. Um, and again, this fits into our mission. This fits into our vision. And we're just so thankful to be able to be out there. It's hot. It's hotter than heck at that time. But it is so fun, and I think the whole staff would tell you that it is just a a good time. Right, Nancy? Nancy's usually in charge of the ice. She's our ice lady. Yeah. All right. And if you ever want to come also and just see what that's about, show up Thursdays, 2.30. We're here. So I'm going to pray for our service and um, bring Josh up. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for just this time that we have together. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you that uh, we all just have different things going on this week. Um, we have things that we've come from last week. God, just um, thank you that we have this moment to be here together today. Thank you that um, oh, that people are 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 just here to be able to take a moment to breathe and take a moment to... To have a hot cup of coffee or to have an iced cup of coffee or whatever it is. God, thank you for bringing each and every person here today. That is what your plan was for them today, God. God, we continue to pray for uh, Pastor Grant and Rana as they are rounding up their vacation this week. God, would you bless them? Would you keep them? We ask that you are with Ethan, their son. God, just um, just be around that whole family for Kira, who's here holding the fort down. God, I pray that um, as they wrap up their vacation, that they would just be so excited to come home to their church family, Lord. Lord, I ask you now for Josh and for his message. Would you bless the words that are coming out of his mouth? Would you bless our hearts as we have uh, open hearts to hear him? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you welcome the coolest pastor ever, Josh Koya. (laughs)
1: I feel like I'm the least cool of our pastors. Grant's like a punk rock. His wife like plays in a band. Melody is just good at pretty much everything she does. So, Sorry, you got the, not the C te- B team, you got the C team this morning, but we'll get through it together. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, really glad to, to be here. To um, I'm just glad to ju- be able to jump in the series. We're in a series called Summer in the Psalms, and And one of the things about this is it's very different. Uh, The Psalms are just different. A lot of the times when we preach, we go through a book or a gospel, or um, even when we do topical, we find ourselves in the epistles. And and what that is, the gospels are, are an account of the life of Jesus, a firsthand account, right? And epistles, all that means is it's a letter. It's a letter most of the time written from a pastor to a church or to an individual, but those types of writings, they're, they're in, in, in just how they're made up, are instructive. And so when we read Scripture, when we read that Scripture, we find ourselves uh, taking instruction, you know, having some tangible takeaways. But the Psalms are so, so different than that. The Psalms are, are poetic, and they're actual songs, and they're like prayers, I feel like, especially we're in Psalm 139 today, and I feel like what happened is David, you know, was sitting in his, like, castle thing, and he was writing, he had a nice little prayer journal, and he was chilling on his bed, writing his prayer journal, and someone snuck up there and, like, ripped the page out and, like, kept it until they put the Bible together, and they're like, let's put this in there. Like, that's what Psalm 139 looks like. Someone stole a page out of his prayer journal. And so, because this is different, and there's different types of literature and scripture, it's important for us to approach scripture as such. So this morning, we're going to approach it a little bit differently than we do from other ones. Now, I hope there's some tangible takeaways. Most of you are like, I come to church to have my application, Josh, so you better give it to me. I, I hope that there's some of that. But also, I would like you guys to just maybe experience what David's experiencing here and experience what this is saying, not about what we should do, but about who God is and who we are in light of him. So I'm gonna read the passage. Um, it might be on the screen. It might be in front of you in your Bible or on your phone. I would encourage you, we're gonna go back through it, but as I read it, don't read along. Just for this, t- this portion, just listen. Just listen as I read it. And I'm gonna read it a little bit differently than we normally do. Uh, but yeah, let's just jump right in. In, in Psalm 139, it says, oh Lord, you have searched me. You know me when I sit down and I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where should I go from your spirit? Or where should I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take to the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even in the darkness, it is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is light with you. For you formed my inward parts and knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In the book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me your thoughts, O God, how vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemy, take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me into the way everlasting. Lord... We are blessed with an opportunity to read this writing, this prayer, this plea, this conversation that that the Scripture says is from a man after God's own heart has written to you. I pray this morning as we enter into this passage that you would not uh, give us the mindset of instruction or what we should do next, but you reveal truths about who you are. You would reveal truths about what that means for us and for our life, and you would free us from so many of the things that hinder us from experiencing that. We give this time to you in your name, amen. Psalms are different, right? You read that, and and you can feel the feelings in it. It's a roller coaster, right? There's these beautiful parts and there's these amazing parts and then there's these like, wait, I don't know, like kind of uncomfortable parts and tension. And there's passion and anger and these human emotions and just by reading that, for some of us, it frees us to be like, wait, I can be an emotional person? That's amazing. But there's a couple movements. This is how it's broken up that, that we see at first in the passage. It's things that God does and then we see David's response to those things. And then we see God react to how David responds. And when David sees that, when David engages that and realizes that's happening, it, for, it causes him to do something else. And then it wraps up with this deep sense of passion. And so we're gonna walk through this. And I'm gonna try to power through. I, I told a couple people, I was like, this psalm's way too long. I definitely did myself a disservice picking it. So we're gonna power through a lot of really good stuff in here. Um, but just follow along as we read this. The first part says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. We give credit to God in this way. We, we think, I think most of us, if you believe in God, you assume that he knows everything. And we, we sit in this assumption, and it's kind of static, though. I picture God chilling on his throne, and he's just like, I know that. I know that. Also, I know that. You know, like, but he's not doing anything. He just knows everything. It's just how it is. But this first part says something more important. It says, search me. You search me. And see, there's movement. When I play hide and seek with my kids, and what that is, if you haven't played, is a game. You close your eyes, you count to 10 or something else, and and then you got to go find the kids. The the job of everyone else while your eyes are closed is to hide themselves from your perspective, from where you are, right? You shouldn't be able to see them when you open their eyes. When I play with my kids, it looks like this. I close my eyes, count. When I open them, there's three blankets on the floor with little lumps under them that are giggling, and they think they're hiding. They're like, they're terrible at it, but But even then, the expectation in the game is for me to move, right? The whole point is if we're doing it right, from my perspective, I can't see them. It forces me to search. And that's what it's saying about God, that you search me. Not only do you know everything, but you know everything because you've pursued it. And we're going to figure out what that means here in a second. Verse 2 says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern the thoughts from afar he knows when you sit down and rise up. When I think of God, I think the only things that he really like knows, he knows all my actions, but it's usually the moral ones, right? Like, should I punch this person in the face? Or, I don't know why he said that. Like, it's a moral decision I make a lot. Um, no, should I honk at this person? Should I not honk at this person? But we th- I think of it in that way. But this says, you know, when I sit down and rise up, he knows every move you make. He knows every physical movement you have. And then he says he discerns your thoughts from afar. He he knows what you're thinking. And it's not only that. He knows the origin of that thought, where it came from, why it's there, what it might do to you. Are we starting to get a picture of what it means that the God of the universe knows us? Because yeah, God knows everything, cool. But when we start picking at it, we're like, dang, okay, okay. It goes on, you search my, out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with my, all my ways. He knows where you're going, right? He knows the things you might trip on, the blind spots you have, your path, what's going on, and that, and that you know all of my ways. What he's saying is that you know the way that you are. There's a book that I read to my kids. It's called Little Pookie. It's all a book. I don't know if you know it. But in it, there's this line, and I just read it last night, and this line sticks out. It says, the way you are is a wonderful way. And it was like profound to me (laughs) because that says so much more than most compliments we give people. Like you're doing a good job, blah, blah. blah. The way that you are, when it means that he knows your ways, he knows your inclinations. He knows given any circumstance that you're put in, how you're gonna react and why you're gonna react that way. If it's gonna make you uncomfortable, if it's gonna make you feel life-giving, however that is, he knows it before it even happens. This is the depth in which the creator knows us. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O God, you know it all together. This is super important because because speaking in Scripture is very, very powerful. You go to Genesis and everything came into being through the voice of God. He spoke things into being light and the earth and expansion of the seas that he spoke things into being. And as image bearers of God, as Scripture says we are, we have similar authority Similar power with our, with our words. It's if I stood here on the stage and I made this proclamation, using some of the language later, so don't get mad. I hate, hate barbecuing. I loathe grilling. Any, any of that? Like, I just despise it. Now, for some of you that know me, you're like a little perplexed right now. You're confused. You're like, Josh, like... The the reality that you existed, the context that you had for me, the reality that you live in was just shattered. For those of you that don't know me at all, you're like, well, now I have a data point. And maybe, you know, you're making a profile for me. And maybe for the church, you're like, I'm not going to a church with a guy who doesn't like the barbecue. Like, (laughs) it's as simple as that for me, I'm done. But that's just a really, like, simple example of how powerful words are. See, my words standing on the stage can affect and create and change your entire reality. It can affect whether you ever come back into this building, whether you ever trust me. It can affect how you see me, how you see other people. Our words are powerful. They don't just happen. We don't do it flippantly. They create and destruct. And God knows those things. See, it's not just about knowledge, but it's about the result of the things that are gonna happen, the depth of the way God knows you. It says, you hem me in, Behind and before, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So when I was doing studies, this you hem me in, and the language that's written, it's kind of either or. There's a coin flip. Because it could also mean like you besiege me, or you like flank me. Pretty much it's saying like you corner me. <laughs> like that's what this language could be. And the hand of God in the Old Testament isn't always a lovely thing. Usually when the hand of God goes on someone, like that's wrath, Right? So there's two ways this can go, but in the context of this verse, more than wrath and God kind of cornering you, it gives more of a context of of this comfort. It's like when you tuck a kid in, if you've ever done this, to where it's kind of warm in the room, but they still want the blanket, right? Or not even kids, let's go to you guys, adults, right? Say say your spouse has gone on a work trip, and you're in your house, and you're laying in there, and your leg's out of the blanket, maybe hanging over the edge of the bed, which is crazy. Everyone knows something's going to grab your leg if it's hanging over the edge of the bed. You just know it. Let's say you're doing that and you hear a noise. You bring that little leg in, don't you? You slide it right under that blanket. Blanket's not going to protect you, but it feels better, right? Like, it's true. I don't care. Adults, we do that too. Kids, don't feel alone. Um, Because there's this comfort. What it's saying is that there's this sense of God's presence in his hand that brings a steadiness and a comfort. So these things are true. You see all these things that David's uh, proclaiming that God did that God did these things. You you know, you discern, you search, all of these different things that God did. And this is David's response. David's response is this. Where should I go from your spirit or where should I flee from your presence? Students, any kids or students in the room? Yeah, some of, young adults too. Yeah, young adults in the room. Question for you. What if your parents knew every single thing you did Every action, as I look at some of you, you awkwardly drink your coffee, you kind of look and try to see where your parents are, you, right? You know, tension just rose a little bit. Adults, let's go to you. Say, say you're married. What if your spouse knew everything you thought? Simple questions become a little scary, right? How's dinner, babe? Mm? How does this dress make me look? Always good. No, that's just always. That's just, yeah, you're good. Or this one. This is a real one. What's wrong? Because what's the response you get? Fine, right? That's what you're thinking. It's fine. Like if Lindsay had this power, which I okay, she's not in here. I pray that that doesn't happen. If she had that, every time I saw a question coming on, I would bolt. I'm not joking. Like that's my reaction. Because like, and it's not even that. Like I think terrible things, but it's chaos up there. Sometimes when she asks what's wrong, I'm like, is there something wrong? Did I do something? Like you know, this is my mind is crazy. And and you don't always want to know what's there. And this is what's being proclaimed here, that God knows you so intimately that when you start to consider it, when David's considering it, his response is to flee because when you're known that well, you're laid open, you're exposed. We use words like vulnerable, exposed, feel naked in front of someone, right? And we don't like that. But he's saying that's a reality, so he flees and this is what his response is. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take to the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. What he's saying is if I go as high as I can, if I go as low as I can, the depths of Sheol, hell, the, the, the hollow place, whatever you want to say, if I go as far east or west as I can go, that you'll find me there. And there's an important thing to note here. For one, That God knows you. That was stated, right? He searches you. These are things that just happen. Two, David's response to that is like, peace, I'm out, (laughs) right? And three, that even when he goes to those places, God meets him there. But what God does next is important because say I'm getting my kids ready and we're going to the zoo and I'm like, all right, kids, time to get in the car. This is what happens next. Can't catch me. And they run in all different directions, and I'm like, this is lovely, I love it. Um, so I, and I go to try to get them and some of them are like taking their shoes off and I walk into the room and, and Easton's like wanting to wear a different shirt so she's like trying to take that shirt off and I'm like, no sweetie, you're fine. So I like take the shirt, bad choice, right? Took the shirt, she freaks out, she's on the ground. I'm like, okay, you can have the shirt, try to give it back, doesn't work, screaming, super upset. And, and in those moments, the only thing I can do next is to hold her. So I pick her up. You know, her emotions, she just, it's at that stage where she feels everything, but she doesn't quite know what to do with it. And so I hold her, and I feel her breath start to calm. I feel her her body start to not be tense anymore. And then I ask the question, hey, sweetie, do you want to wear this shirt? Yes. Can I help you? Yes. And so I do that. I I hold her hand, and we walk out to the car, and we move on. And, And in that, there's something that I think to be true about what God is doing, because it said he took two actions. Because see, I would love to tell you, I'm, I'm, that sounds like a good dad moment, right? But in the background, there's like frustration in me the whole time because like, I'm doing this for you. I'm taking you to the zoo and you're being difficult and it's irrational. I tried to give you this, right? So there's all that, but God meets us and it says he holds us and leads us. Those are the two things that he does. He's not frustrated. He's not disappointed. He's not mad that he, he had to follow us to wherever we flee to, But he allows us to to be unhinged, to to deal with our emotions and not even know how. He allows us to not accept the fact that he accepts us. Have you been there? Have you heard this Jesus stuff and this church stuff and said, that's good and all, and maybe you even believe it, yeah, of course God loves me, but you can't live into it. You can't really accept it because you know you, you know what you've done but God meets you there. And then we get to see another piece of it. He goes on to say, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me night. Even in the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day for darkness is, is light with you. We read this part and it says, and we get to an example of David. In this moment and in this tension, saying that, you know, that I don't know if you've ever felt this way. Have you ever felt like darkness was at your doorstep? And what I mean by that is like, you just don't know if you can hold it together anymore. Like you're trying your best, but it's a house of cards and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? You're waiting for it to all cave in and you just don't know if you have enough to push through. And your, on, your margin is a razor's edge and you're just worried about what it's gonna push over. And that anxiety that you feel and the weight that you feel, that's what David's saying. And in the same breath that he's saying that, he says, I feel this, there's darkness at my door. I know that you are light and I know you're with me and the darkness can't overcome me. What he's saying is he's freeing us to say, it's okay to be both. It's okay to believe that God loves you and sees you and is with you and still struggle with the tension of, is it gonna be okay? Or I don't know, or I'm worried. And this is David's response. And is there... There is some, this is prescriptive a little bit, you could take it, it's not a bad thing to do, but that's like not the point of the passage. This is how David responds, for you formed me, my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David's response in that tension is to go to God and start stating things that he knows to be true about God. He starts to unpack what it means that God knows him. You know me because you, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. You know my inward parts, like literally like organs. Like you know how this stuff works. You know me deeply. And I praise you for that. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. That sounds very Christian, kind of like it should be on a pillow or something, right? And what that means as I was looking it up is you were made like with reverence. Like there was intentionality and thought. It wasn't just like, oh, let's see how this experiment works out. All these things that were true about God were true when he was making you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your, your eyes saw my unformed unformed substance. This beckons back to um, Genesis. Where God spoke things into being, right? Let there be light, let there be expanses, let there be animals, all these different things. But when it came to humanity, he did something different. He took something that was already created, the dust, the dirt, right? And he formed it. God got his hands dirty with us when he was making us. He formed it, and when he formed it, he breathed into it the breath of life. So we are not just physical, and we are not just spiritual. We're a bridge of the two. And there's something beautiful with that and there's a difference in that and how he created. And he's beckoning to that. See, David's response, even to this tension and the reality of what God has done, is to praise him. And the way that he praised him isn't empty thanks like, oh God, you got this, I know it. It's fine, I shouldn't worry anymore. I trust you. But it's, I know these things to be true about you. I know these things to be true. I can praise this. And maybe for you, it's as simple as like, yeah, God, you exist. I can say that right now. God meets you there. How precious are your thoughts. Oh, um, yeah, oh, sorry. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. That God, when he was forming you, when he was creating you, he knew what was in store for you. He knew the things coming up. He was aware And because he was aware, he was able to be intentional. How precious are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Do you see a change in David right now? He went from being terrified at the knowledge that God knows you. I think some of you in this room are like, I don't feel great about that. And if you don't know how you feel about it, think about how you felt when I said the spouse and the parent thing. It's probably how you feel about God knowing you. <laughs> like, I don't feel great about that. But David's switching. He's finding comfort. He's finding resolve. He's finding solitude in, this, in the sense of God knowing him deeply and the thoughts that God has for you. If I asked you at the beginning of this, what do you think God thinks of you? A lot of you might put something a little bit negative But he's getting to a point where it's like, does he see the negative? Yes. But what does God think about you? You're his children. He loves you. He'll go to the ends of the earth for you. And we see this flip, this switch to wrap up this last part, which feels very stark. That's why I took a breath when I was reading it. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O God? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. This is what I think happened. I think when he was sitting in his nice little bed and he was writing in his prayer journal which did happen, it's historical, don't ask questions. Um, He looked out his window, or like hole in the wall, because I don't know if they had windows. Um, He looked out that, and he saw in the distance on the ridge an encampment, and on that encampment was, was another nation. Another nation with their own gods, and their own army, and their own agenda. And as he's writing these beautiful things about who God is, and how he's responding to that back and forth, he looks up and he's slapped in the face with the reality that King David isn't a spiritual dude, he was a king. He was responsible for thousands of people's lives and he had that task daily and he had to make a decision when war would happen and he looked out and he saw this coming battle that was maybe set for tomorrow and all of a sudden he realized this beautiful relationship that he had that there was things in this earth that directly opposed God, that directly opposed what God was about and you see David, David's no stranger to saying, hey God, can you just kill my enemies? Like he does that plenty, you see it in the Psalms, like can you just take care of it? but he's not doing that here. His language is different, it's defensive. He's saying they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you? What he's saying is he's getting defensive for God almost. He's saying if this is true, this beautiful relationship I have, and if you truly are amazing and wonderful, anything that opposes that should be destroyed. There's this deep sense of relationship. And the only thing I can equate it to is if my family, if like someone's saying bad things or trying to bully or tear down my family, like my kids, like I'm gonna go pop a I'll push a first grader over. I don't even care. Like, I'm gonna do it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just gonna happen. Like, that's the mindset that I'm gonna be. I'm gonna defend. And you see this passion come from the fact of how David has seen all these things and believes these things and knows how deeply that God knows him and realizes there are forces that oppose him, and he's not okay with it. This isn't a selfish plea that he has here. This is almost a plea of advocacy. Now I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying he has the right mindset, right? David screws a lot of stuff up. But it's true, and it's real, and it's him, and that's so much more important than just trying to figure out what's right all the time. God is okay with you being you, even if that means you're not always on the right page. These last verses, and this is how we're going to wrap it up. Say, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And if there is any grievous way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. There's a search me, it kind of sandwiches this passage. At the beginning it says, in the beginning it's uh, in the indicative uh, sense. And, and what that means is that it's, it's a statement. It's just true. God, search, you search me, O God. It happens. Whether I, can, whether I want it or not, you search me, oh God. And here it's in the imperative. It's a request. It's a plea. That David, through this process, is saying that is as, as uncomfortable it is to be known and exposed and, and laid out in that way and vulnerable, as terrifying as that is, it's also the only way you can experience the love of God in the way that it was meant to be experienced. Because we have a desire as humanity, it's to be known and to be loved. And you need one to have the other. And he's saying, I want that. As uncomfortable as it is, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. What he's saying is, there's times where my thoughts aren't great, right? It's not even bad or malicious. They're just like dumb or just not right, right? And it's not even I'm doing something bad. It's just I have a poor view of myself or a poor understanding of a context, right? Like, search my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me. I'm sorry. General grievous thing, every time I've studied this, that's all I could think. Like, if there's general, if Star Wars, I don't know. It's just, I had to say it because everything, every time I study I'm like, grievous way, that would be a bad way. Um, See if there's any grievous way in me. There's this, There's this sense of truth and humanity to David that I love. That he says, See, as much as I want to follow you, as much as I'm doing my best to move in the right direction, my assumption is I have blind spots. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'll ask you, Do you have blind spots? Do you have some spots in your life that, that maybe a good friend, a mentor, a spouse has lovingly said, Hey, you're kind of this way. Just so you know, it's not the greatest. You, have, you default kind of in this, right? Like, have you had that? What David's saying is like, there's, there's a possibility for that. When I'm talking to you, God, I, even, even when I'm doing my best, there's a possibility that there's some stuff in me that's just broken, that's just not right. Find those things. And the reason he wants them to find them is because those are the things that limit his ability to experience the life that God has for him. See, Easton was very upset and very uh, emotional, and she didn't know what to do with it, and she wanted her shirt. She was limiting her ability to go to the zoo, like, right? This is pretty much God saying, like in, in in our tantrum and whatever we're doing, and like, God, how could you love me? I keep doing this, like I know it's wrong, and I keep there's. Like, if you love me, you're wrong. Like, you shouldn't keep forgiving me, right? And you're doing this and God's just sitting there waiting, letting us be whatever that is. And then after we're done, after our breath slows, after we're not so tense, he says, you want to go to the zoo? And he grabs our hand and he says that "There's, there's more that I have for you. I get that this is limiting you. I get that this is hard for you. It's okay that those things are true. But man, I want to show you so much more. I don't want you to be hung up on this thing where you're discrediting yourself. Where you're discrediting what's going on. Because I love you deeply. And that takes time and that takes relationship. It says, lead me to the way everlasting and what that means is the way, this is in reference even to Jeremiah, and it's, it's the old way, the way everlasting, the right way. In essence, the way that like man walked with God in the garden where there was no pretense, there was no worry, there was no need to hide anything. Lead me in this way to where, where I can be me without apologizing for it. It's a terrifying thing The amount that God knows of us. When I read this, it made me uncomfortable. But this is what I believe as we wrap up. I believe that we'll never experience, we're never able to experience the depth of the love of God until we consider the depth of his knowledge of us. And the reason is, is because there's too many yeah buts. When I was dating Lindsay, there was a lot of things, right? If you've ever been in a relationship, it's like, Oh, like, yeah, they say they love me, but they haven't met my family. (laughs) You know, like, whatever. Sorry, families. Or they they don't know this, like, thing that I do, or I have a big opinion on which way the toilet paper goes. Like, you know, there's always this, yeah, but. But when all those are gone, when all those are out the window, and God says, no, I really know everything about you, and then he says, I love you, that's different. We see this, we experience this in a human way in an imperfect way with friendships that you share, you take a risk and you share with them. And, and when you're sharing with them, they they pray for you and they're there for you, and they don't give you too much advice. And, and it grows in your boldness to be like, man, they love me still, even though they know that. That God has more for us. So, what do we do with this? what's the takeaway? Well, there's one takeaway, right? Like, if you're in that tension spot, praising God is a good place to start. You know, going to God and just being like, hey, God, I can say you exist. Maybe that's all you got. Do that. Thank you for existing, because you exist, I exist, right? Like, maybe that's it. So there, for those of you that need an application takeaway, there you go, you got that one. For (laughs) For the rest of it, my hope for you is that you experience this, Now, it takes effort to unpack, I think it's a lifetime effort, really, to unpack the depth of which God knows you. But it's something you have to consider. Like, not just God knows everything, but he knows you, right? That's different. He knows your inclination. He knows where that comes from. He knows your bias. He knows what what gets you excited, what gets you sad. He knows all of those things. And it takes a lot of work to kind of consider that. And sometimes you gotta do it in a group for what that means. My hope is that you experience that. My hope is that you, some of you free yourself to experience the tension of things you believe to be true about God and the difficulty you have living into that. Like, I want to let you know that's okay. I mean, it was okay for David, and he he's a man after God's own heart. No one said that about me, so I'm gonna say that I fit under the umbrella. Like, It's okay. But here's the thing that God did. He doesn't just sit with us in our tantrums. But the other thing that he does when he meets us off in the corner is he leads us. He loves us enough to say, there's more, and I want it for you. As uncomfortable as it is, as hard as it is, there's more. And he leads us. So we're going to go into a time of communion right now. I did not grab a communion thing. Would one of you help me with that? Thank you. Sorry. Uh, if you don't have communion, raise your hand. Someone will bring it to you. I'm raising my hand. So, thank you. Lionel, you're the best. Thank you, sir. So we're going to enter into a time of communion. And what we celebrate in this time, I think, just plays into this passage Because what communion is, is it's a remembrance, it's a celebration, it's a proclamation of the most important event to ever. Oh, double communion. Thanks, Chris. Um, It's a celebration of the most important event to ever happen in the world. See, what happened in communion, the thing that we celebrate, wasn't so that you could be more christian the most important event in the world just to be clear the death burial and resurrection of jesus the gospel the most important event in all of creation didn't happen so you could be morally superior so you could be more christian so you could have more verses memorized than the next person it didn't ha- sometimes i think our faith we won- we'll never say it But ultimately, if we think of our structure and our pursuit and everything we do, we're trying to get to a point where we don't really need God anymore, where we have systems down. Like, okay, if this happens, I pray, I go to this person, I read this scripture. Like, we're almost getting ourselves to that point. But this happened. And the reason for this, the reason that God did this isn't just so you could be better. It was so that you can experience a relationship with him. That's the point of everything, is so that you can experience that there's more. And I don't mean physically, financially, any of that. I mean this abundance that comes from being fully known and fully loved. Jesus sat with his disciples, and they were sitting at Passover, and he took the bread and And he took it and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Take the bread. And later on in the meal... He grabbed the cup, and this is Passover, so there's a lot of these movements where you break bread and you take the cup, and he's he's weaving in what's happening to this this salvation history of the Jewish people. And so he takes the cup, but he changes this movement. And he says, "This this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. When you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Lord, you are good. If I'm honest, I don't even know the fullness of what that means. But I believe it to be true. God, I pray even for me right now that you would help close the gap in between what I believe to be true and what I experience to be true. For those that are in this room right now who there's a gap in between what they're hearing about who you are and what you do and what you know about them and what they've maybe experienced in the church or what they think about a relationship with you, Lord, if there's a gap that you would close that. Not just spiritually, but even physically. Maybe it's a conversation with another person in this room. Maybe it's a Uh, an opening of vulnerability with another person, whatever it is, God, that you would work tangibly to close that gap. Lord, we are so blessed to be able to read accounts of people who love you and in their love for you are honest with you. Lord, that when we read these, we might be free to realize it's okay that we're in process. It's okay that we have some questions. It's okay that maybe our pursuit of you looks different than others. So Lord, I pray in a real tangible way that you meet each person where they are right now and you just be with them. You let your presence known. Whatever they're doing, if they're hiding, if they're sna- if they're snapping back at you, if they're just scared, if they're sad, whatever it is, that they would just feel you there. So that their breath can slow, so that their body can become loose. And so that you can lead them to something more. We give these things to you in your